0: Hi, I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Chris, and this is Business by the Books.
0: Hi, welcome to Business by the Books, where we believe that leaders are readers. So if you are not reading, you are not leading. This is episode 13, and we are covering by far our oldest book in your 50
1: <laughs> And it is
0: See You at the Top by the man himself, Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar, yay. Yes, and it was originally published in 1974, making this by far the oldest yep. book published in our top 50. Yeah. It's almost as,
1: top 50. almost as old as I am. Yeah,
0: I know. That's pretty old. <laughs> It's, it's six years younger than you, so this book's younger than you, yeah. but much older than I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, sweet, awesome. Well, do you wanna, I mean, a lot of people know who Zig Ziglar is, but for well, those of us who don't. Well,
1: and I would venture to say, some, it probably depends on age. Yeah, right? I was gonna if, say age. If, if you are my age, in older, everybody knows Zig Ziglar, mm-hmm. but at your stage, probably not. So Zig Ziglar um, is, is widely recognized as a great motivational speaker. He was a great salesman, mm-hmm. and I think he worked for the—I probably should have looked this up, but I think he worked for the Salad Master Corporation. Mm-hmm. And everything he did, he always got to the top, which mm-hmm. is a perfect title for him. But, and I was telling you a story before we were getting ready, I actually got this book, and I think it was actually this copy, When Your Mother and I Did Amway.
0: Oh, what is Amway? So
1: Amway (laughs) is, and I know people are going to listen who probably did Amway, um, I think there's some good things about it, but it's basically kind of a multi-level marketing program, and back in the 60s, you know, when your grandparents were young, you know, about your age, Amway was a real popular thing, and people would go to meetings, and they, they actually started selling soap, and then they got into other things, well... One of the benefits for me was you got exposed to guys like Zig Ziglar, and Mm -hmm. so you'd listen to his tapes. And so when you were a baby and I had my first company, I would literally drive around Houston and I'd listen to Zig Ziglar motivational tapes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I, even on a personal level, I feel like I really know him. And he was a great guy. He had a big Sunday school class. They lived up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and he taught a big Sunday school class. So he was just, he influenced an entire generation of people in selling. And so yeah. I would listen to these motivational tapes. And as you know, sales is hard, right? Yeah. I mean, the hardest part yeah. of sales is the rejection. Mm-hmm. And so Zig kind of helped me overcome the fear of failure and realizing that sales is a matter of statistics. And so he talks about some of those things in this book. But there's so much more to Zig Ziglar than just this book.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you listening, you driving around Houston listening to in, the motivational in, in tapes. tapes. Yeah. yeah, the tapes. That makes me <laughs> laugh. Yeah, because when I did door-to-door sales, it was actually really interesting. They gave us, and I'm so embarrassed that I don't remember his name because um, for the door-to-door sales company I worked for, he's like an icon there. And he was an insurance salesman. He was kind uh-huh. of like Zig Ziglar, became very, very popular. And so they gave us... CDs to play in the car and so I would put his stuff in the car and then there were some some of the other door-to-door sales um, people the book people um, who would put on you know like a Will Smith motivational thing in the morning before they got started and so but there is something to be said about motivational speakers and the impact that they have on your mentality going into stuff like that especially
1: when you're going like either door-to-door you're going from one meeting to another is like you need Especially early on, you need kind of to build that confidence.
0: Yeah, and the confirmation. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and realizing that someone—I mean—he came from a relatively humble, very humble beginnings mm-hmm. and became very successful, and those kind of things is like, you know, that even the context of the book. See you at the top. You start here, and then you wind up getting there. Yeah. You know, everybody who's successful, unless you're born into just an extremely wealthy family, you got to start someplace, and you just work on that. Yeah. And so this book basically kind of kind of helps dispel the myths and give you some framework to do that yeah
0: so within the context of this book specifically what is Zig Ziglar talking about so
1: here's here's what I wrote down is that uh, the main idea in this book is building a personal system of structure to maximize the likelihood that you'll set lofty goals and achieve success mm. and so you know he talks a lot about Setting goals in different areas of your life, you know, and I always kind of break break my life up into physical. So I'm a runner, mm-hmm. and so I like to run 15 to 20 miles a week. I've got a certain weight that I want to maintain, so that's the physical part. Uh, on the mental and intellectual part, I want to read a lot, you know. So I like to try to read probably a couple of books a month, mm-hmm. okay. And then on the spiritual side, you know, I spend time studying the Bible every day, teaching you know Bible study lessons. We go to church every week, so I've got kind of that element of my life. And then I think there's also relationships. So I'm intentional. And, and what happens in some of those areas, after you've been doing it for a while, I mean, I don't even think about running. I just like, okay, I'm going to get home and I want to run today or I don't want to run today, so I might mind, mind up doing that. In terms of relationships, I have so many friends and that I love and I care about that... Whenever they pop in my mind, I just reach out to him and send him a text. Mm-hmm. So his point is, if you want to be successful, that you've got to have a system in place, kind of like setting a budget up on the financial side. Mm-hmm. And after you've been doing it for a while, it becomes rote and it develops a habit, and you don't even have to think about it anymore. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Sweet. Awesome. Well, within the context of this book, um, what has been, what is your favorite part? And when did you first read this book, by the you way? You know,
1: I probably read it in '90. Three
0: or 94. Okay, right? okay. So
1: it's been, I mean, you know, 26, 27 years ago. And as yeah. I said, I, you know, when we were, your Mother and I did Amway for like four months, it was one of the books <laughs> that we had. And I just saved it from that time. There were a couple yeah. of books. Another was How to Win Friends and Influence People. So mm-hmm. there were a couple of books that they wanted everybody to read to kind of get a framework. Mm-hmm. But my favorite quote was on page 346. And it says you can get everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Mm. And I think that's the essence of of this book. And I think it's the essence of a life worth living. And I and I'll be honest with you, Ashley, I really, I really feel that way. I mean, I have a couple of you know mentors in my life. Um, you know, Joe Wall would be one of those, Joe mm-hmm. Fowler would be another one, is I just look at their life and they're in their seventies, and I just look at the the tremendous number of people they've impacted and the power is not just the people they've impacted. It's the people they've impacted and this, this, the generations, you know, so someone, someone like those two gentlemen, they've impacted thousands of people and then those thousands of people have impacted thousands of people. So one person has the ability to influence millions of people's lives. Yeah. But the difference is I think there's so many people who are focused on themselves. And, and after a while, it's just exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting personally when everything you do is you think about yourself. But if you're focused on other people, which this book talks a lot about, it's just, there's, there's constantly, there's something to do. You feel better about yourself because you're helping other people. And then you get to the end of your life And for those of you who know calculus, as my (laughs) father would say, your grandfather, it's the area under the curve that counts, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe at your stage, you know, you got one little slice, but you get to be 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years old. And you look at the amount of people that you've impacted in a lifetime. It's huge. Mm -hmm. But it starts early in your life being intentional and saying, you know what? I want to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. I mean, but... But you just have to make a decision. This is the kind of person I want to be. And I think a good fundamental question, and especially with all the crazy stuff going on in our country right now, is ask yourself this question, am I more about myself or am I more about other people? And, and look at, make a list of things that you do on a daily basis. Look at your checkbook, look at how you spend your money, and take an inventory. How would someone answer that question about you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the real test.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'll admit, and I've talked about this a lot, but it being in the midst of wedding planning, the wedding industry is so self-centered and it's just <laughs> terrible and it's been so. It kind of feeds the beast. Doesn't it really it? Yeah. does, and it's not fun. It's all about you. Yeah. Everything's about you. I know it's terrible, and my fiance doesn't care. He's like, "You do what you want," and I'm like, oh, great, <laughs> That's perfect." That's that helps. Fine. Yeah, that helps a lot. So yeah, so in this, in this, oh, definitely because I've been planning my entire wedding pretty much in the context of the coronavirus and so taking inventory on that it's been very very difficult to look outside of myself but recognizing and I'm yeah I'm just excited to get married and like just be normal start a yeah. normal life um
1: just get get, get over, with. Yeah, get over, get it over with. with yeah just get over with yeah. just get
0: you know go back into school get into the normal thick of things and stuff um but yeah so as far as you know you've kind of already talked about The application of this book a little bit, but specifically um, within the context of this book, the applications from this book. How have you been able to use that? Whether that was in how did you, how did you apply this in the '90s? That's what I want to <laughs> How did you apply this in the 90s? And then how well, are you applying it? When I was like your age? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, let's kind of talk about it. So, um, you know, one of the sections you have for me to look at is applications and takeaways. Yeah. And so um, we'll eventually get these posts on the website and you can kind of look at them. Mm-hmm. But the, he basically, you know, if you think about see you at the top envisioning a stair step. Okay. And so you take different steps. So he actually has a little figure in here and he has six steps. And so, we'll spend some time talking yeah. about those. So, the first step is self image. Mm. The second is relationship with others. The third is goals. The fourth is attitude. The fifth is work. And then the last one is desire. So, mm. So each one builds on itself, so let's talk about the self-image. you know so you're getting ready to get married, and as you said,'re you're, you're in an industry that feeds you and says it's all about you, it's yeah. all about you. Now, it's fine to build up to that point, but when you and Matt walk down the aisle, okay, and you exchange your vows, all of a sudden, it is no longer <laughs> it's about not you, right? About me at all. So the sooner that you can get over that sensation, yeah. the better yeah. yeah. <laughs> And preferably after you kiss, say, I do and kiss and walk back down and show everybody that, you know, you're now Mr. Mrs. Ebert. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's now it's time for you to be about him and he needs to be about you. Yeah. So it all starts with this self-image. And, you know, I think a good fundamental question for all of us is when you talk about self-image is if you were to scrape all of the things that make you away, like you get, say you get education or you have a house, you have a car, and you're to take all those things away, what's left? Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is there's nothing left after you take all the things away, you're not gonna have much of a Mm self-image. And so the problem is when everything you're focused about you, if you take all that stuff away, there's just nothing for you to focus on versus if you're, and we've said this in one of our earlier podcasts, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, Mm -hmm. consider yourself, consider others better than yourself, Mm -hmm mm okay. If you take taking everything away, but you're focused on other people, then you still have everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he starts off with self-image. It's really important early on in life to develop a good self-image. And you know, part of the self-image is the people that you surround yourself with, right? I mean, if you're in a work environment and everybody's grumpy and down, why in the world would you want to stay in that? And I know people feel a sense of desperation. Well, what else am I going to go do? I don't care what you got to do, but get out of a miserable environment. I mean, yeah. I know people that, that for decades have worked in a job that they don't enjoy And I'm like, why do that? I mean, it's better to probably make less money and come home and have a good attitude when you're with your family.
0: Yeah. And admittedly, when I think of self image, and I think this is definitely a generational thing. When I think of self image it's how, what do you think about yourself? Do you feel good about yourself? And I think that unfortunately in this day and age so much on social media specifically is pushing on us to think better about yourself. And I think that this message kind of what you were saying is it's more about Change yourself. Right, you know, right. it's like look at what you want to be and be that. Don't just think, oh, I'm gonna accept myself as I am and I'm gonna be happy and like be motivated as I am. No, it's yep. okay to change and it's okay to to evolve yourself into that better self-image. So yep. you have more context and more. Well, I heard a
1: great definition of sanity, and it's when who you are aligns with who people perceive that you are and who you really are. When all three of those mm-hmm. things line up, then that's a, that's a perfect balance of sanity and insanity. And there's people in institutions that you may think you're Superman and you can fly off a building, okay. But number one, that's not reality, and the other people are going to realize that you're not Superman. So mm-hmm. that self image is very important. The other part, the the second one, is relationship with other people. And so the bottom line is, if you don't have a good self image, you're going to have a really difficult time being building relationships with others, yeah. and so so I think that's part of it too is is ask yourself and really men struggle with this probably more than women. I mean if you ask most men, do you have someone that you would consider a close personal friend, mm-hmm. most men would probably tell you not. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it's you have to be vulnerable and as men we don't tend to be very comfortable with that. But but you've got to get to a point where you have a group of people that surround you that really encourage you. And so it's funny if you get the right relationships around you, they feed your self-image and they make you feel better so that when you're down and everybody's going to get down at some point, if you get got a group of people that really care about you, they're going to kind of build you up. And mm-hmm. once again, is it see you at the top? It's not see you from the top. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you're building a whole group of people and you're moving up this st- these stairs together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, Sweet number three. Goals. Goals. Ooh. Yeah. It's <laughs> hard. Well, because there's like all these Harvard studies that it's like, however, like this percentage of people who actually write down their goals mm-hmm. accomplish them. Like goals are hard. Goals are hard to, I think, to to just even just write down and figure out. So
1: I'll give you, you a great example. And I, I was looking at this afternoon and I didn't even think about we're doing this book today. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about talking about goals, but I found a spreadsheet probably five years ago when I began to start thinking about starting ADV, and I had everything laid out. I had mm-hmm. what I thought we would make and, and we have done at least what I had financially, mm-hmm. probably done 20 to 30% more. But mm-hmm. I'm convinced if I hadn't sit down and written those out and even, even now I, can, I projected all the way out for 10 years. I've literally got a spreadsheet and I got a little graph and I can see where I'm going. But for me, setting a goal it's like that's the minimum that I want to do, Mm -hmm. right? So I, I, you know, in my natural bent is I'm a goal setter. You know, I think Nan and Granny kind of instilled in Uncle Jonathan and me a desire to set goals. And then when I was in the court A&M, we had to set goals and it was, it's just part of my life. And so even even the beginning of every, every year, I sit down and I set a financial goal, spiritual, you know, physical, I have all these goals. And they're kind of part of who I am. What's happened as I've gotten older, though, is if I don't accomplish the goal, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Versus when I was like at your stage, I mean, you know, I I set some goals and I wouldn't accomplish them, and it was really kind of devastating. Mm -hmm. But I think they help set kind of a framework, Mm -hmm. you know. And then the other thing is once you start getting in a leadership position, the goals you set as an organization affect a wide group of people. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I I just think it's very difficult to be – Successful the way that Zig Ziglar talking about if you don't set some goals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sweet number four.
1: Attitude. Ooh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say this is probably one of the hardest ones. So let
1: me ask you this. So, so, I mean. We've been a family for your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. So, all 21 years. Yeah, all 21 years. Okay. And we've been a family with your mother and I longer than that. Yeah. Okay. But but what would you say, and I think we're a pretty functional family.
0: Yeah, relatively. Um,
1: relatively. Everybody's got a little dysfunction. Yeah. But um, what do you think are some of the attitudes that have helped you, you know, that have kind of come from our family? What are What are some? Oh,
0: um, this, the attitude of... Um, hard work, just mm-hmm. this attitude of, of endurance and perseverance, um, an attitude of, I would say, of gratefulness. I think mm-hmm. that we, we talk have,
1: a lot about that. Yes, don't we, we talk
0: a lot about gratefulness. Um, <laughs> gratitude. <yeah. laughs> gratitude. We've had moments where we obviously have not been grateful, but I think as a whole, just having a consistent, um, intentional attitude of gratitude has been really. <laughs> attitude oh, of good. gratitude yeah, that's um is really I to important tell you, you didn't make that up yeah I right. know uh, definitely not <laughs> um and then I would say uh man just an attitude of selflessness mm-hmm. I think that my mom
1: oh, yeah, does that yeah, really well yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah mommy does it better than I do more than
0: any of us does yep. um so that and then maybe also an attitude of um I think Joy is a choice, and I think Mm -hmm. an attitude of joy, of just choosing to have fun. We're going to be fun. Sometimes we have a tendency to be uptight, certain members, including Mm -hmm. myself. Um, But I think overall we have a tendency to have an attitude of fun and joy. Okay,
1: I think that's great. Mm -hmm. There's one overarching attitude. Okay, and i give you a hint, it's the Be the Beans.
0: Oh, positivity. Yeah,
1: and it's being an optimist. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really, and it's, it's interesting, all, all these books that we've kind of been reading. Wait,
0: be the Beans is a reference to a book that we will be covering yeah. later. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we will cover it later. Go and to bethebeans.com if you really want to get a little prelude. For those that know
0: the book, you understand why it's funny. We won't explain. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll In save years. that for a later podcast. yes. yes.
1: But, but having an optimistic attitude and an attitude of optimism is so important because if you have an attitude that everything's going to be okay, and no matter how bad things get, and it's not, it's not a laissez-faire kind of, well, too bad, but it's a, it's a driving attitude that things are going to be okay Mm -hmm. is it's, it's, it's critical. I mean, I would say it's probably one of the most important attitudes that you can have. And he talks a lot about that. Especially in, in sales, yeah, you know, it's like when you when you go in and you meet someone, you want someone who's enthusiastic and you want to do business. You want to be around people, and and I, especially the past ten years, I don't want to be around negative people. Yeah, right. It's just it's just you know it's like your you know. And I I'll admit I like to be tigger. You know, mm-hmm. I like to be motivated and excited and i like to bring enthusiasm room. But if you're in a room full of people that are just like. A bunch of EORs, it just sucks the life out of you. Yeah. You know, and your grandfather and I talked about you're either an energy source mm-hmm. or you're an energy sink. Mm-hmm. And so I think that attitude is critically important. If you get the right attitude, then you can do a lot of other things. But that's not the number 1.
0: Yeah. Um quick thought on the on the attitude thing. Doing having done door-to-door sales, one of the principles and I kind of already referenced it, but just one of this principles, one of the principles is this motivation and talking uh, we did self-talk. So mm-hmm. literally if we weren't talking to somebody in person, we were supposed to be talking rah, rah. to ourselves pumping ourselves up. And then, um, Victoria, one of the girls that I worked with, um, who was incredible at what she did. She came up or not, she probably didn't come up with it, but she used the phrase no neg a
1: yeah. lot. And I
0: know I brought that <laughs> back home where it's just like, if somebody would say something negative, no neg, just, no, neg. no neg, we're going to be positive. We're going to encourage one another and build each other up, including ourselves. Right. So it's all about attitude. So sweet. Yep. love it. Cool.
1: And then the last two things are work and desire. And mm-hmm. so you talked about having a strong work ethic. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of strong work ethic is perseverance mm-hmm. and it's surrounding yourself with people. And like I think about like some of the stuff we have going on at work. I mean, it's been a great year, but we've had challenges and getting different things to work and those kind of things. And this I love working with a team we've got because I've got confidence they can do anything. And it's amazing every time we've had a challenge we figured out how to do it, you know? And there's no way I could do it. I mean, you know, but it's it's a team effort where we really move forward. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is desire. And the the problem is, especially like when you first start out in your career, like the stage that you're at, is you have all these things that you wanna do, Mm -hmm. but that's the sixth step, right? Mm. And so once you get all these things in place, then you really can begin to set a vision and you can see things. And we've talked about this before, I mean, you, know, you kind of go through three stages that you you accomplish as an individual, then you begin to lead people typically three to five years. And then at some point, if you're fortunate enough, you lead by vision. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where that's talking about, that there's a desire that you have to do things and you've got a team of people that you can do that, but you don't start off day one doing that.
0: Yeah, so you would you say that the desire, because when I think of desire and I hear goals, it sound almost like the same thing, but when I kind of have heard you explain desire within this conversation, context it sounds almost more of like your why
1: it's like the ultimate
0: the ultimate thing is like you're accomplishing your why
1: well yeah because the goals help you get to the desire right yeah I mean like for example let's say that you want to run a marathon Mm -hmm. so you want to run you know 26.2 miles or that you've got a 25th high school reunion you want to get in shape that's the desire that's Mm -hmm. that's the why why do you want to do that but you don't you don't wake up one day And never having run before, say, hey, I'm going to run 26.2 miles a day. You're like, okay, I'm going to get to the end of the block. And then you eventually work up, and it may take six to nine months. Eventually you get there. So the goals allow you and facilitate for the desires to become reality. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Sweet. Final Mm -hmm. thoughts on this book and call to action. And we've
1: talked about it, but, you know, what I wrote was one of the major themes of this book is that success (laughs) is a state of mind and that a positive outlook is a necessary ingredient for overcoming the obstacles of life. Mm. And we all have them. I mean, every if we were able to interview every person who's ever going to watch this and we were to sit them in this little chair that we've got right here, everyone's got a story of challenges that they've mm-hmm. had either physically or emotionally or financially and the beauty of it is as a as a, a mankind we can help each other get to the top and overcome those obstacles yeah
0: and it's more of a question of is the obstacle going to be is it going to be and become an excuse or is it going to be a part of the journey exactly. that you accomplish yeah. to get yeah. to the top
1: so yeah. Mm, mm, good reference. Fun
0: things. Cool. <laughs> well, that's a really good book, and I know that you know you've kind of talked about how this is a book that's impacted and an well, generation.
1: and so one of those kind of things is is I it was fun kind of going over it because I haven't read it in mm-hmm. I mean probably twenty five years. I mean it's been it's it was moved with us. Yeah. And yeah, you know, when I was thinking about all the books, I saw it sitting there. You know, I probably have a thousand books upstairs in my study, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, I really remember that book. And then as I was reading it, prepping for this. I was like, there's a lot of stuff that's part of my mental DNA that I got from this book. Mm, and that's, that's cool. Crazy. I mean, yeah. that's, and I met, you know, Zig Ziglar died. He lived from 28 and he died in 2012. Mm. But you know, when I get to heaven and see him, I mean, it's gonna be cool to talk about just the the millions of people that he impacted through his books, people he never met, he made an impact on. Mm,
0: yeah. Well, this book is still in print and you can still buy it. Um, I don't know if it, well, I don't know if it's in print, but you can yeah, still buy I it. I imagine
1: it probably is. Yeah, because um,
0: yeah. I know it is a pretty popular book. Um, um, this this particular edition is not in yeah. print anymore. <laughs> it's like 1989. Um, yes, I it's think. pretty old. So, <laughs> yes, but um, if you do end up picking up a copy and reading it or any of the other books um, that we're talking about through the podcast, feel free to reach out and let us know your experiences and thoughts on the books. Um, you can do that by reaching out to us at businessbythebookspodcast at gmail.com. You could also visit our website, businessbythebooks.com. And you can also find us on Instagram, we, where we are uploading. Um different content, including the um, video version of these podcasts as well. And that is Business by the Books. So just look up Business by the Books and you'll find us. Um, close us out.
1: I will. Leaders are readers. And if you're not reading, you're not leading.
0: Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode. And we will talk to you in the next one.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.